So here's the big question. How are entrepreneurs like us, who have been hustling and struggling to make it to success, who seem to make it one step forward, only to fall two steps back, who are dedicated, determined, and driven, how do we finally break through and win? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Brian Kelly, and this is the Mind Body Business Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mind Body Business Show. We have on tap for you right here, right now, another fantastic show. Not because of me. Oh, no, no, no. Because of the amazing Joel Franco, who is waiting in the wings. I mean, he's literally scratching at his monitor saying, Brian, let me in, let me in. Let's go, let's go. He is an amazing young man who does some fantastic film work. He's a producer, a director. We're going to get into that in, in depth here tonight. I cannot wait to share his message with you. It's a unique one, and I truly love it. We've had a good time getting to know each other just before we went live here tonight. The Mind Body Business Show is a show that I had created with you in mind, and that is the entrepreneur, the small business person that's looking for that next tidbit, that next secret, so to speak, or that next value-added bit of information that can get you to the next level in your business. And let's face it, there are many of these little pieces that get us to the top. There's not just one secret that's going to release everything you have to superstardom. It doesn't work that way. It's building, it's stacking one pebble on top of another. Pebbles are small and you keep going. And you're going to find out and learn from Joel tonight. This happens every single, every single show. You're going to learn some incredible tidbits that you can take and apply to your own business, to your own life, to improve your life and those around you even more importantly. So sit tight. It's going to be a great ride. I cannot wait to introduce this amazing young man to you. And the thing is, the reason that this show is named the way it is, is because I learned over the course of about 10 years of studying only successful people, what was it that made them literally successful? Why did they perhaps achieve a greater level of success than I had? And so as I'm studying, these are people that are mentors of mine, like literal ones that I've paid money to, others that I've worked with, uh, that I've spoken from their stages, others that I've read their books, uh, some that I've studied that are not even with us anymore. They have gone on uh, and many who are still with us. So out of all these people, three things kept bubbling up to the surface of what made them so successful. And they are the very namesake of this show, Mind Body Business. Mind stands for mindset. To a person, each of these very successful individuals had developed a very positive and powerful and most importantly, flexible mindset. Body meant they literally took care of themselves physically. And I'm talking through exercise. I know it's like a long four-letter word for many people. And nutrition, another long four-letter word uh, of what they ingest in their body. That one's simple. And then business. Business is multi, multi, multifaceted. And what these individuals done, had done is they had mastered and continued to master additional skill sets that are necessary to build a thriving business and then to scale it and grow it. Skill sets like marketing, sales, team building, leadership, systematizing. I could go on and on and on. There are many. The good news is you as a business owner don't have to master every single one. And that's good news because as you know, you're very astute. Mastering any one thing takes a long time. What is it? To become an expert takes an average of, I forget what it was, 10,000 hours? 2,000? 10,000, I think it is. Uh, it's a long time. <laughs> and to master all of these various skill sets could take more than a lifetime to do by oneself. If you master just one skill set, in fact, it's one of those very few I just mentioned, you can then leverage the rest and make and build a thriving business. And that one skill set, if you were to put your focus on it to learn how to master it, even in the process of mastering it, you will discover you can leverage other people's masteries. And that is the skill set of leadership. And you might say, Brian, I don't even have a, a, a team yet. That's okay. You can master the skill set of leading yourself. Develop that culture in your business that you would want to see and have as a VA employee or a partner. 
and do that. And there are many books on that subject. I'm not going to go deep into that right now. And one final thing I like to I like to point out about these very successful people is that to a person, they are also very avid readers of books. And with that, I want to very briefly uh, segue into a little segment that I affectionately call bookmarks. And then we will be on with Joel Franco here in just a moment. Let's get busy. Bookmarks. Born to read. Bookmarks. Ready. Steady. Read. Bookmarks. Brought to you by ReachYourPeakLibrary.com. There you see it. ReachYourPeakLibrary.com on your screen. Now, here is a word of advice to all. And this goes across all venues, all avenues. When you're learning, when you're listening, when you're taking notes, is to really stay focused. And what do I mean by that? In this case, we're sharing a resource. It's reachyourpeaklibrary.com. Many of you might wish to go off to another tab, type it in, and go visit it while the show's in progress. I would caution you against doing that because as a speaker from stage, I witnessed, especially in my early days, when someone would get up and leave the room right as I know I'm getting to the quote-unquote juicy part that could really impact them. And I thought, wow, that saddened me because they're missing out. And, you know, that, that all important text came and they had to get up and go address it or a phone call or even they had to go to the restroom. Uh, all these happened. So now I say, you know, take notes, write down, reachyourpeaklibrary.com. Start, start doing this right now. Write it down in your notes. And then after the show's over, then go visit all the resources. I know Joel will have many Every single guest I ever bring on always does. Might be books, might be websites, might be other information. Just be ready to write it down, but keep your attention on Joel Franco tonight. That is the important thing. That is the message I want to get across because, like I like to say, the magic happens in the room. Yes, it's a virtual room, but it's a room nonetheless. All right, ReachYourPeakLibrary.com is a website that I literally had built with you in mind because... I myself had not become a voracious reader until about, let's see, that would be 12 years ago now at the age of 47. Yeah, I'm giving yourself a moment. I, I know you're all doing the math and you're, you're wondering, okay, how old is this guy? So yes, I love it. And uh, at age of 47, I started reading voraciously. And what I, dis what I discovered was, wow, this is having an incredible positive impact on my business life and oftentimes my personal life as well. And so I began having my team throw up the books on this website that I finished reading. I'm way behind. Many more should go on this list, but there are plenty to choose from. The purpose of this site is not to make money. It is here to be a resource to you. If you see a book that you love, go to the bookstore, either online or physical of your choice and get it. But just be sure to get it and then read it. And then most importantly, take action on what you've learned and read in those books. And so this is a resource for me to you, a gift. Uh, you can click any of those buttons. Those go to Amazon, just if you're curious, if you click the button to buy here. Uh, and just get wherever your favorite uh, place to purchase books is. Grab the title, make note of it, and go purchase it. And then please read it and then come back to this library. Pick your next good read. The reason this is here, I have vetted books. Not every book I've ever read is in this list. So I was very careful of which books I put on this site because this can ultimately save you a ton of time in you know the just trial and error process of pulling books off the shelf at least you know they've been vetted by at least one other successful person and that was all in the purpose of saving you time making you more efficient in your business and in your life that is enough about that because you know what we're here for we're not here for brian kelly we are here for joel franco and it's time to bring him on so let's do it right now without further ado ladies and gentlemen here he comes it's time for the guest expert spotlight. Savvy, skillful, professional, adept, trained, big league, qualified. And there he is, ladies and gentlemen. It is the one, it is the only, Joel Franco. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Good, and you? Oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm excited for this uh, episode, if you will, because of you you know you're you're such a an amazing you're a wonderful guy you're so easygoing and fun to chat with and you have a great golden heart and that's one of the things i find is a common trait of any and all successful people and, and success means different things to different people 
Uh, you are truly a success because of what you do. And we're going to get into that tonight and who you do it for, because it, it, hit, it hit me right between the eyes. I was like, wow, that would have been me. And it could be me right now. Uh, it spans all age groups. So it's amazing. Uh, if you don't mind, Joel, what I'd like to do is kick it off by introducing you mm -hmm. in a way that people understand where you're coming from. Uh, basically, go over your history and what you're about, and then we'll dive into the questions. Does that sound good? Absolutely. All right. Joel Franco is brilliant at telling compelling stories with an elegant voice, a crisp Italian sensibility, love the wine, and beautiful pictures. His vision and intensity bring leadership, heart, and an eye for detail to his films. Oh, yes, we're talking to a director and producer. His understanding of the human condition and his passion for authenticity combine to create artistic works that draw the audience in and make them feel. He is an outgoing team leader who consistently pushes to exceed the expected norm in project delivery while expecting or while helping to maintain a positive environment. I'm loving all of these keywords here. Colleagues trust his refreshing character and understand that he is a man of commitment and does what he says he will do when he says he will do it. That's a rare commodity in its own right. Where, oh, where our children play, that is his uh, organization, where our children play is a global organization that aims to provide children involved in sports with the resources they need to succeed. This includes creating a network of individuals and organizations that can respond to the needs of young athletes, their families, and coaches from around the world. This is going to be a fun, fun time. Do not go anywhere. You're going to get a lot out of this for business and in life. Welcome officially and formally to the show, Joel Franco. Woo so happy to have you. Thank you. So Great to be here. Oh, my goodness. Now, you are a filmmaker. You're a producer, a director. Uh, if mm -hmm. folks go to your website, which I'll bring up uh, in a moment, they will see a just an unbelievably well-crafted trailer of your upcoming documentary, which I thought was masterful in just the videography of it. And I'm not a filmmaker. And if I say a wrong term, you let me know, Joel, because I'm just uh, a novice when it comes to that. But it, it was beautiful and well done. And, Thank you. and it made me lean in and the intermixing of, you know, the snippet, the sound bites of individuals that were being interviewed during it were just perfect. I just in thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was curious, you know, that I'm sure takes a lot of forethought. It takes a lot of time and effort. It takes a lot of coordination to do what you do, yeah. to bring in all the, the people that are going to be part of your film to coordinate then. I don't know if you're doing the editing, if you have other team members doing the editing, but there are a lot of moving parts to any kind of video yeah. production. Even if it's a small YouTube video, it takes a lot of time and effort. And so, you know, you obviously have a passion for this. And I was curious in your mind, what is going on in the morning when you wake up, when you wake up and you say, all right, we got a new day. I'm going to go fill, uh, film some more of this documentary. And I know that I've got problems with this camera and the battery pack on that and this and this person doesn't like to show up on time and the audio. We got a microphone that went dead. We got to get a new one. You got all these issues that probably you go through every single day. What is going mm -hmm. through your big, beautiful brain in the morning that keeps you driven, motivated and always persevering, moving forward to achieving your dreams? What is it for you? Coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. Uh <laughs> And then I think about it and then I go, okay, I should go back to bed right now because I don't feel like <laughs> dealing with all of this. Um, it's really just the passion of the topic. Like you can't make um, a project like this if you don't love what you're, what the topic is, because if not, you're a masochist because it's so much work. It's so much because there's no, you never stop. Like, it's not like, you know, you, finish a surgery and okay you're done or you know you have a project project done or you have a presentation okay boom you're done and this one you never stop like it's constantly your brain constantly goes if anything sleeping becomes a problem because it's so hard to shut down um like unwind your brain to say okay stop it like i, I always look for like, like a button that would shut it off but um <laughs> so basically it's like you gotta love what you do 
you just have to love it. It's not a, to me, it's not a job. Like I would do it for free. Um, and I always find that like, if you would do something for free, then it's the right thing for you to do. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I need to pay my bills too, but it's, you have to love getting up and going to do it. You just have to, there's no other way. And I, I agree with that because, uh, you know, there has been debate ongoing for a long time uh, between different factions that say, uh, you know, there are some that actually make fun of those who say, well, if you're going to get into a business, you want to do something that you love. And there are people that actually make fun of that and say, well, you can't make money at everything that there is out there if you love it. It's like, well, actually, you probably could make money at most everything. It just depends. But, you know, if you're not passionate about it, if you don't, if you don't feel it when you get up, if you're not excited about working on it, and if you're only driven by the outcome of money, it's going to be a hard road. I've been there. I've tried that. I've done that, I think. And I agree with you that if you're passionate about it, it, it truly becomes less effort um, involved because, it, you know, when, when the issues come up, you got to have thick skin. You got to be willing to jump over those speed bumps that, that keep hitting you and they never stop. If you don't love no. what you're doing, you're going to be worn down and the end result's going to show that. It, it just does. You know, if you're not loving what you do, the end result, your end product is going to suffer and you're going to suffer because you're not happy. So why go through all that? Uh, I truly wholeheartedly agree with you that passion is the driving force behind getting up and going through the drudgery every day because look, a business or being a director, producer, it's not all, you know, rose petals and, and swinging on a hammock with your little umbrella drink. It's not how it works. It's a lot of work. And if you don't love what you're it doing, uh, good luck. Good luck. That's what I would say. <laughs> it's so thank tedious, you long hours. It's, it's not going to always work. You know, when we do documentaries, of course, like the one we're doing right now, it's some interviews go well, some interviews don't, as you know. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. And that's the thing that makes it, for me, fun. Because I don't know what's going to happen. As much as I can be prepared... And obviously, I know who I'm going to talk to, and I'm going to try to do my homework. But you really have no idea if they're going to be any good on camera. You don't know if they're going to have a bad day that day, or or they're going to cancel you on the last second, which Ugh. happens all the time. Yes. So you just have to be ready and adapt. And that's where the fun is to me. It's like, okay, so we thought we had an hour and a half. Now we only have half an hour or you know, and sometimes it's the opposite. You know, you think you only have half an hour and it's like an hour and a half later, you're still talking and you say nothing. You just keep going because it's a wonderful interview. So it's just one of those things that you just, if you hate it, why? Literally, why do it? It makes and no you know, sense to me. Whether you make a dollar or you make a million, what's the, I mean, if you're satisfied, you're happy, you you do what you're supposed to do and you go about life the way you're supposed to do it. It doesn't matter if it's like a dollar or 10 million. Yeah, I totally agree. And you touched on something very important for everyone to listen to deeply. And that is you were saying how you loved how everything changed where it wasn't always the same, where it used, it was mm -hmm. going to be an hour, but they showed up late and it's only been a half hour. What other reason might be, and you loved being able to figure that out on the fly. And in layman's terms, we call that an entrepreneurship flexibility. It is so, mm -hmm. so key. And that was part of the mindset. And once you've really developed that, and you've developed it to such a degree that you said that is what you love about it, I am the same way. That is an injection of variety in your day. So it's not going the same way every day. I like that. It's like, ooh, I need to figure this one out now. Let's get it going. That kind of amps me up. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, another issue. What am I going to do? <laughs> and so it flexibility is key. And you just, you just pointed that out with me. Not, I didn't even ask you about it. And you just said, that's what I love about it. And that's why you are successful at what you do. And I wanted to point that out to everyone watching and listening that that is a key element. Look, I want to really point this out that success is not a mystery. It's not a, a secret. It is simply following others who have figured it out and picking out those key elements and simply modeling them. That's all that you don't need to do this on your own. Everything that has ever been figured out about success has already been figured out. 
And all you have to do is tap into and model those who have figured it out, like Joel Franco. That is it. It's that simple. And uh, all you need to do is keep watching this show because guest after guest like Joel, that's what happens. They bring out these wonderful nuggets or pebbles that I talked earlier uh, that you can stack and achieve greater and greater success. So I want to jump very quickly or not quickly, but um, soon, like this is early in the show. I want to get into what it is you do. Like your documentaries are based on a specific kind of, I guess, theme. And it's in the mm -hmm. sporting arena. And I'd, I'd love for you to give a quick overview of what inspired you to, uh, what it is first, and then what inspired you to go down this path and start filming documentaries on this very subject. Um, my kids. Mm. So a few years ago, I started... I was, my kid, my son in particular, wanted me to coach him for soccer. And I was, I always had read about, like, you never coach your kids and that kind of stuff. So I was like, no, 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 no. And then finally, I relented and I said, okay, let's do it. But I made sure we had, and I still remember, like, he was six or seven. And I told him, okay. If at practice, I'm coach. But any other time, obviously, I'm going to be dad. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, no problem. I don't mind. I mean, I get it. Okay. But I wanted to. But that was so important for me because if you don't make that distinction, you know, I was afraid that he, if I said something at practice, he might take it home. You know what I mean? And if I say something at home, he would take it at practice. <laughs> and. Once I started coaching him, which, by the way, with him, it was fantastic. Like, we never had a problem, ever. Like, he at, he would even call me coach. That's, like, how funny it was. Um, and so we did our thing. But then I started to see what a friend of mine, uh, also from Italy, uh, in L.A., uh, who's been coaching for decades, who used to tell me all the time, like, hey, you know, about his experiences and he struggles with parents or with clubs or with teams or with ref whatever it was. But I never, I mean, I understood it from just, oh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I never quite understood it until I started to coach myself. Mm. And that was nuts. And once that happened, I started to really think like, okay, we got to do something about this. This, I, I, this can't be true. You know, like you start to say, why are people yelling at each other? Why is there, why are people <laughs> fighting over a seven-year-old game? And that's basically what kick-started the whole thing for me was like, okay, we got to make a movie about this. And of course, then it evolved over time. It was always about what it is for kids. Who are we doing it for? Because that was, to me, the biggest thing. And it still is to this day the question who are we doing it for i'm you know it's like i hate when parents say well we have a game on saturday no you don't your son or daughter have a game but you don't <laughs> or when coaches said coaches say we win or we did this no you didn't the kids on the field did or on the court or wherever the sport and so that kind of evolved into this documentary which is titled where our children play uh because that's exactly what i think of it like where do they play like because they play at home they play on the field and our culture worldwide has shifted so much away from the kids that we now force the kids to down and not know anymore what they do who they are why they're doing it because it's like the, it's like one of the coaches we interviewed uh his name is gordon he had this fantastic comment and he said do we dream first or it's their dream and when he said that to, to us was like oh my god that is perfect that's exactly right like who's who's starting it yeah. And so that's how it then evolved into what it is right now. Well, what it will be once it's done, uh, hopefully soon. Um, you know, 
that's the the whole thing. I can see this on Netflix for sure. You know, as a special. I sure hope so. Oh man, and and I I, I implore of everyone that's uh, watching or listening to this, go to whereourchildrenplay.org and support this. Uh, and we'll go deeper into this because some people are probably still scratching their head, like I don't still don't get it. But uh, to kind of put it in a nutshell, I grew up playing sports as a youth, and I was telling um, Joel and right before we went on live that my fondest memories of my childhood were playing little league baseball. And that's from the age of 10 through 12, basically in the major leagues in there. And <laughs> I just remember that was the most pure time we had so much fun. There was no, there was no seriousness to it. It was just, just pure fun. Uh, there was discipline. We were learning things. Uh, I was coached, managed by my own dad, who was very phenomenal. I loved and, and called him coach too. It was funny. And I never said dad or daddy in front of everybody else and never. And and then, but once we got past that stage and into the next level, which was pony league for us, I noticed it started getting more serious. And as, as I got older, the seriousness got higher and higher with each level and the fun went lower and lower. And I thought, what is up with this? Well, because you're getting closer and closer to that coveted professional level, which, you know, we all know a tiny, tiny percent ever make it to that. But here we are with Joel, who is documentary. He was putting together a documentary of parents who are treating their seven-year-olds as if millions of dollars are on the line because their little Johnny is going to become a pro someday. And there's a lot of that mentality that goes into it these days. And it gets ridiculous. It's like, let the kids be kids. Let them have fun. They don't even know if it's going to be their path yet. Many years from knowing. Uh, and then when you mature, I think one of the people on your trailer said this, like, as you grow up, you may find that you're not even good at that sport anymore, that another sport is where your calling is. And that sport ends up picking you instead of the other way around. And so it's like, just let the kids figure it out. Let them navigate and tell you the parent hey you know i really enjoyed football i think i'm enjoying baseball more so i'd rather play that and drop football whatever the case may be just be open to your kids and let them have let them be a child let them live their childhood uh out because i was able to and it was glorious i'll never forget it and i've learned so much from it and i have i became a decent person as a result well i like to think i did <laughs> looks like you are so far and, you know, I got my faults. We all do. But, uh, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, these kids that you, you doc, you're doing the documentary, you can tell everyone better than I can. But I'm, I'm certain many of them are being traumatized over this kind of behavior that they're witnessing. It's it, kids see everything. They hear everything. And if we are not careful, everything we say will be repeated uh, and it will be. You know, they will internalize it. And that's not good because you might have said something in passing that you didn't mean to in the heat of the moment, maybe in the car on the ride home. Like I actually, I am borderline Nazi in the car because I always tell my kids that we're not having this. We're not talking about it. Like, I don't want to hear it. The car ride is sacred because you need that. You know, and you know that because that's true for any business, right? That's true for any, whatever it is that you do in life. When you're super hot, it's the worst time to make any decisions. Oh, yeah. Because you can't, because you're not thinking. It's all emotions. And while there's nothing wrong with being, with having emotions, obviously, you, it's difficult to think clearly when you are, like, your emotions are on your, like, every part of your body is like exploding you can't and so i always told the kids i always try to we get in the car a few minutes come the or longer if needed then we can talk about it but i only let them bring it up i try i mean i'm not perfect i've screwed up in the past obviously but i've always tried to let them bring it up like this okay daddy we want to talk about it okay now let's talk about it that's, and then you just reinvent, but you have to because if you don't do that, it everything is emotional, and then you're feeding the fire, and then you never cool down, you never unwind, you never start. Okay, 
hold on. Was it as bad as I thought? You know, is it as bad as I thought? Or what actually happened? You know what I mean? Like you actually have to realize, okay, what happened? And that's kind of, but that's kind of like the same way I, I do it when we are in the, on the production on a set and we're interviewing someone and something goes wrong. I do the same thing. It's like, okay, hold on. Let me step outside for a minute. Uh, you know what? And then in the process of you just stepping outside and grabbing a bottle of water, having a cup of coffee, just that two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes that you're taking is basically allowing you to digest what just happened and coming up with a solution instead of, oh crap, now what? And you panic and you force feed something that, it, uh, you know, that doesn't work. Why am I doing that? And then in your head, you know you're doing the wrong thing, but you were too hot and you just pulled the trigger too fast. And then you just, then you have to live with it rather than taking yeah. the five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, even yeah. half an hour, whatever it is. I mean, depending on what the problem is, take the time and then you come up with a better solution. Yeah, in uh, neurolinguistic programmer NLP, we call that you know shifting of an emotional uh, thought process is like basically breaking one's state. And so, if you're in this state of absolute anger and rage, the best thing you can do is find a way to switch that, change your state. And like you said, it could take time, but that is the most um, you get the best results from doing that, especially if you're very amped up and you know very charged as you know in anger or any of the negative emotions that might be coming up. And the thing I wanted to also point out what you said was that kids are always listening. You know, they are like sponges and they, they're like the old term says monkey see monkey do. Well, guess what? Human or uh, adults are the same way. Now, if we take this to a business setting, you are the leader, you're the CEO. Everyone in your organization is not just watching you, but they're going to start modeling you. You'll, you'll yeah. notice certain cultures that are permeated and you go, where did that come from? And then you get to know the CEO and like, oh, I see where it came from. And so you are so important as a leader of your company. You are the example. So everything Joel is saying permeates not only just coaching and how kids perceive you, but everywhere in life, those adults around you. As a leader, you want to be a leader that leads by example in all in all times that we're not perfect like joel said none of us are but do the best you can and be aware that there's always somebody listening uh always somebody taking notes and and someone saying that's the way i'm going to do it when i do it well i hope it's not when you're angry that they're going to mimic that model <laughs> i hope not i mean but that's then, the it's so crucial what you just said is absolutely true it's the number one thing I always look at it when I work with people. It's like, who am I working with? Yeah. And do I want to work with someone like that? Because yes. that to me is very important too, because it's like, you know, it's not just like, okay, you want to work with me. Well, do I want to work with you? Yeah, and there's this whole um, philosophy of coaching of, you know, not just coaching kids, but also of leading employees and that is do you want to be a tyrant do you want to lead by fear i i saw part of your man that so much your so here's the thing joel i remember so much about your trailer that that tells me how good it was uh, there was a Thank scene you. where a coach was yeah, i don't know what it was an empty gatorade bottle but it was plastic and he mm -hmm. kept smacking this kid on top of the head to put a point across in front of his peers no less so he's not only shaming him he's literally it probably didn't hurt, but at the same time, it's putting a bigger message to that kid than needed to be, in my humble opinion. I'm a I'm a fan of positive reinforcement. Is there a time and place for discipline? Yes, of course. But don't beat on a kid. And I don't mean that like literally, but he was like bonking him with this plastic bottle and berating him in front of it looked to me. I couldn't hear that there was no audio behind it, but it was like, you don't you should not do that. You shouldn't shame people in front of their peers. You shouldn't smack them uh, even in play. It wasn't play, uh, even if it doesn't hurt. But the, the point was the poor kid is going, if I screw up, I'm going to be, you know, physically beaten, whether it hurt or not, and I'm going to be mocked and shamed. And so they're going to be less apt to try to do things that may result in making mistakes 
which is the very recipe for success, is making a ton of mistakes over and over and over. So it's like, um, you know, if, if I get somebody on my team when I did this, I coached youth sports, and I was a youth almost. I was in my early 20s, and I loved it because I, I would do positive reinforcement if they are doing everything I asked them to do, and they're trying, and they're doing their best, but they miss the basket over and over and over. They don't make it in basketball. I don't get on them. I don't. I say, good job. You're jumping off the proper leg. You're extending. Mm-hmm. You're dribbling with the correct uh, side. You're doing everything that I taught you. I, I applaud them and praise them. Well, there's a grown adult coach on the other end of the court. I'll never forget this. He was probably in his 40s. And all I could hear in the back of my head was this guy yelling at his kids constantly, all the time. You know, yeah, discipline was involved. I had one kid who didn't do what I asked him to do, and he did it repeatedly. And I said, take a lap. You're not taking another shot till you take a lap. So there was discipline. But positive reinforcement, it just works so much better in every possible scene I've ever been in, in sports, in business. And it just and people want to show up to work. People want to show up and play their hardest for you as a coach because you are positively reinforcing them instead of pushing them down with fear. Like, ah, if you do that again, I'm going to chastise you. What did that tell every other kid in that huddle that if they screwed up, they were going to get beat on the head with a Gatorade bottle and chastise? It's just like, wow. Sorry, I got on on quite a soapbox there. (laughs) No, but you're correct because that kid will never forget it. And that kid will forever associate in that particular uh, uh, moment you're talking about. It was in a soccer match or, you know, during halftime or whatever it was. Um, They'll never forget it. So for them, soccer will always be associated with someone hitting them on the head with something. And that's the worst possible thing that you can do to a kid. I mean, I remember telling one kid who was the coach was screaming. I was the assistant coach. And the coach was screaming, belittling this kid. He was like torturing this kid. And I remember I looked at him. The kid was almost in tears. And he said, and he was, he came to me because the coach asked me to talk to him. I said, okay, what are you doing wrong? And he looked at me like this. And I said, okay, you're not smiling. (laughs) And he looked at me like I had three heads. (laughs) And I said, the, if you go, if I put you back on the game and you don't smile, I will take you out. And he's like, that's it? Like, are, <laughs> are you kidding? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. So if you better be smiling the whole time or you're out. And I did it because he was so, I was trying to get him out of his, the mindset that he was in of negative like i suck i'm horrible i'm the worst kid i can never play soccer i should play tennis you know what i mean like that and all of a sudden you could see that he went in and he was like thinking he's like oh wait hold on coach said i have to smile so he started to you know like this fake kind of but by the time two couple of minutes in he started to smile because in he's he's i was able to switch that and sometimes you can't i mean unfortunately sometimes you the damage is done and it's very hard to switch someone's mentality or mindset in the middle of something but that time i got it worked and he at the end of you know when he came in he even scored or made a pass i forget right now and he came like coach i was smiling and that made (laughs) me so happy right because it's like that's exactly what you want you have to but that's the same thing in anything we do. You know, obviously, you're not going to tell a 40-year-old, go out and smile necessarily. <laughs> but in a way, yes, we are. Yeah. We are telling them, go and enjoy it. Own it. Have fun with it. Like I always try to give my people uh, ownership to what they do. And yes, at the end of the day, it's my call. Because it's my, my movie, if you will. But... I hate to even say it because it's really, I can't make a movie by myself. So I want the people that are working, they're not working for me. They're working with me. They're my partners. They're my friends, you know? And that's to me, it's like, you have to, because I don't like that when people tell me, Oh, I work for you. It's like, no, you don't. Like if you work for me, don't, don't No, Then no, I don't want that because then it means that we're not on the same wavelength. So, yeah, someone has to make the decision. You can't have 10 people deciding. That's never a good, never, it never ends well. 
So of course, it has to be me in this particular case, or it's you, or it's your your listeners. Um, but I need your input. Will I take it all the time? No. Is everything you're going to tell me brilliant? No. But at two or three times it will be, and those two or three times it will, ah, let's do that instead because that's a better idea. But that's what you have, especially in a creative environment where there is no right answer, really. It's like, hmm, no, I like that better. Let's do it like that. You know, it's a better lighting or it's a better angle or it's shoot outside instead of inside, whatever it is. Um, but you have to listen. Listening yeah, I, is my key. gosh. It was like hearing my, oh, I think we were separated at birth or something, Joel. We're twins separated at birth. <laughs> I, That's I mean, awesome. I love look, it. I mean, come on. The likeness is there. The the accent. Yeah, I mean, we come on. We have everything. The... <laughs> a little wider but here, I, but I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess me. I don't know. I'm getting pretty white, though. A little bit. But the cool thing is what you said about working with me instead of for me. That's my motto. Exactly. Even with people I pay in my company. I say, we are here mm -hmm. together as a team. Everything you just said. Yes, someone has to make the decision ultimately. So, but you're not working for me. We are a team and your input matters. Just everything mm -hmm. you just said, it's not all going to be accepted, but you know what? Not all of my ideas are going to be accepted by me either. That's why I look for you for additional input. Uh, it's better to have more minds involved than just your own because there are different viewpoints, different experiences, different ages, different everything uh, that help to make the overall result a better one that one person alone could not come up with that kind of wonderful thing. That's what the it's sports and everything rolled up into one teamwork. You know, they say teamwork makes the dream work. And it's so true. So true in all of life, life. Oh, I've never thought of this. Life is a team sport. What do you think of that, Joel? I it like is. That. That's why I, I always said uh, our movie is a microcosm of life. Because that's where we yeah. are in society, you know, and we could be here for three days talking about this, but <laughs> sport is a representation of life in a smaller piece, if you will, but it really is how we behave, how we conduct ourselves, how we, uh, sportsmanship, uh, friendships, uh, competition. And if we take that all the, all the right way, it's fantastic. But unfortunately, the world doesn't quite work like that at the moment. Um, and that's a problem. I mean, the other day they were, I mean, I've seen a game where my son won a tournament, whatever. I mean, I'm, that's not the, the, the part of the story. But after the tournament and the kids were jumping up and down and were celebrating, the parents of the other team started trying to attack the kids. At 12 years old. Well, it doesn't matter yeah. if they were 22, but at 12. And they thought it was okay to do because no one stopped them. And when we were like, are you serious? You're attacking our 12-year-olds because you lost the game at 12? Yeah. I mean, Come even on. if you lost the World Series, you still don't do that. I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't attack the kids. Yeah. It's like, are that's... you people nuts? But that's, that's their, but that's the craziness, right? It's like and people are afraid of stalking. They're afraid of, you know how many people didn't want to talk to me because they were afraid of some black book that they were going to, their kids were going to be in some magical, mystical black book. Kind of like, you know, in the casinos in Las Vegas in the 50s and in the 60s, it's like there is no mis there is no black book in new sport. But in a way, there is because, it, oh, you're the troublemaker. So wait, because I reported abuse, I'm the troublemaker. All right. Not the person who committed the abuse. Right. I am. But that's. So a lot of parents wouldn't talk to me. A lot of kids didn't want to talk to me. It was fascinating. A lot of big companies didn't want to talk to me. Wow. It was incredible. It was like this 
whoa, so all of these people, a lot of professionals who pretend to be to having foundations for kids and stuff like that didn't want to talk to me because, of, oh, no, no. So it's like, wait, so all of you people are not real. And it was incredible. And then some of those people were still listening, you know, checking my Twitter, checking my Instagram, <laughs> checking my whatever, because then I would get messages from them. Well, we'll get messages from other people who told me that those people are, are scared of what I'm going to be doing in the movie. And it's like, well, if you're scared, why didn't you just talk to me? Right? So it's like, yeah. it's a very weird dynamic of where we are in this youth sports world and consequently in the bigger world. Yes, it all comes down to if you have an opinion and it doesn't go the direction of the current ruling set, then you could be blacklisted in different ways. And that's why people are so afraid right now of what's been going on in the world, uh, unfortunately. And that's 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 what how shameful it is, is that's permeating into youth sports of all things. Uh, we have Rowena Williams says in education, we say that teaming done correctly results in collective efficacy you're so right it is essential to a healthy business culture thank you rowena for that yeah and you know it, it's interesting i was it's so the guests i have in this show the topics come in waves there seems to be a wave right now about talking about youth sports the last in, a guest i had talked about it as well it's pretty amazing how this happens and <laughs> there was one it, it brought to mind that something that actually defined how I went about life, which I, it kind of floored me. I'm like, I never thought about it this way, but I'm sure that's what it was. I played youth football for what I would now call a masochist coach who loved to see us suffer. And I don't think he truly loved it. That was his coaching style. And there was a coach that was on your, uh, your reel that basically said, mm -hmm. yeah, it turns out that when we coach, we typically take on the style of the coaches that coached us. And so, you know, it, it carries on your example. And so this individual, you, I don't know, you probably can picture tackling dummies, those round, um, yeah. not so soft, but they were mm -hmm. about as tall as we were as kids. And you would, you know, a coach would hold on to them and yeah. you would run into them and, and try to hit them. Well, they would lay those down on the ground horizontally uh, end to end. And then on the other side, end to end and make a channel that you had to stay mm -hmm. inside. So okay. you picture that two lines. And then they would line up an entire line of us on one end of this channel, the other on the other, and the two in front of the line, when the coach said go, blew his whistle, our, our instructions were to run as fast as we can and run into the other kid as hard as we could. I mean, absolutely. And the, the, the whole point was he who hits the hardest hurts the least. That was correct. If you pulled up at all, you hurt. But always, every single time, one kid was hurt on every one of these. And then we'd get back to the back of the line, and we went through this over and over and over during practice. And then there were other times where we would wear these mouthpieces. It's not easy to breathe freely with a mouthpiece on. And we would do these calisthenics where we're on all fours running across the field like a crab, and it's hard to breathe. And if one of us dropped our mouthpiece and he saw it flapping, we were all uh, punished for it. But it just... You know, the practices were horrendous. The games were fun. I mean, that's it was like golf. You get that one good shot that brings you back for another 18 holes, right? But with <laughs> this, the games were like glorious because we weren't being put through literal hell. But the practices, there were many practices for every one game. And I remember I ended up quitting after three years. I said, I can't do this anymore. This, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the reason was the coaching style. And it was him that coached me all three years. And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. But that instilled in me, Joel, that I, I thought I had to suffer to succeed in life as a result of that. I didn't realize that. I'm like, my God, I always put myself in position that to make it harder than it needs to be, because I think mm -hmm. that's, that was the recipe for success. I'm like, my God, I had no idea. Amazing, right? But it really is. I see it with the girls I coach. I see it with the people I work with. It's like, you see that the kids I teach, it's incredible. Uh, one thing negative that happened to them 
it's the one thing that will carry on forever because it, they won't ever, because it takes, I think, what is it, like 12 times you have to say something positive for every negative or something like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. It's incredible. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made as a coach was during a play, you know, they were like 10 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And there were one girl was taking off on the field, was one-on-one against the goalie. And then there was another girl that was running faster next to her. And here I am in my mind thinking, you know, oh crap, the other girl is offside. Make, you know, so I, I was trying to tell the girl, don't pass it to her because she's going to be offside. So be careful. Instead, what comes out is don't pass the ball to whatever her name was. Oh. As I'm saying that, I'm like, oh no, what did I just do? Right? And, my, and I'm like, oh no. That's not that's not what I want. That came out completely the wrong way, and so of course that ha- and you could see the girls were like, Rrr? "What do you mean?" Because she had no idea what offside was. So I was like, and I realized that you know it's like one of those things that you see in slow motion and you go, "No," you know. <laughs> yeah. But so at halftime, I had to explain to the girls, "I am so sorry. That's not what I meant to do. This is what I was thinking." And that's what I said. Of course, the girls were like, ah, coach, you're fine. Who cares? Because they knew that I would never say something like that on purpose. But in my mind, I realized, yeah, but if I don't correct it, the first time they may not, yeah, whatever. But if by some happens, it happens again, you know, five games later or something, then, hey, wait, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. So, but it's like we have to, as as whatever we are, whether we're a teacher, a coach, a producer, like a you know director, a business owner, or some other kind, we got to be careful in what we say and how we say it. Totally That's agree. Important. Jan Burl, I think it's Burl, says it's so easy to be negative, so true. Yeah, and yeah. oh my gosh. The thing is, with you and your team saying, don't worry about it, coach, that's a testimony to you and the culture you had developed because even with one or two slip-ups, they understand that's not what you meant. So there's, again, the importance of developing the proper culture surrounding the entire organization so that it's known kind of inherently the underlying intent, which is oftentimes the more important aspect or ingredient than the actual what was said. Because they knew your intent, Joel, because of who you are and how you brought this organization together and how you developed that culture within the group. And that's why businesses either fail or, or don't survive because they haven't put the time in or the cognitive uh, juice, if you will, to say, you know, to always be alert and understand that, am I lifting this person up or am I degrading that person and not even knowing it? And just to always be thinking, what kind of impact am I having on my team as I say these words, as I do these actions, which mm-hmm. speak louder than words? You know, what am I doing? Am I following what I preach? All these things go into one wonderful, beautiful uh, recipe, if you will, for success, as long as it's a good recipe and the ingredients are wholesome, right? <laughs> it has to be. I mean, we also, that's why I wanted to, you know, it's like we always try to, you know, oh, I'm perfect. I never make mistakes. But it's like, no, we make mistakes all the time. And like you said earlier, if we don't make mistakes, how are we going to learn? Yeah, I forget who I've, I've read so many books and, and many say, you know, make as many mistakes as you can and make them as quickly as you can. Because the faster you learn what not to do, the faster you will achieve success. It's that simple. And, and that's the thing. Human nature, we want to be right. You just said it all the time. What is that? It's a three-letter word called ego which is the cancer to success. <laughs> it truly is. It really is. And it is. And it's it's not easy to throw that thing away. Uh, even to this day, I, I catch myself like, don't let that, don't let that ego get in your way. Ask for help. Be vulnerable. Be okay to be incorrect. And, and ask for somebody to give you the correct answer. It's not a sign of weakness. It's literally going to be a sign of strength over time if you 
practice that uh, on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, I used to think that, Joel, if, if I would talk to someone, if I asked them a question, I would think they're thinking, oh, you don't know the answer to that. You must be dumb. <laughs> right. And I think every one of us kind of goes to that to a degree uh, where others were they're probably instead perceiving, oh, you want my help? I, wonderful. I feel so happy that you came to me of all people. Sure, I'll help you out. That's what they're really probably thinking versus, oh, you must be dumb. <laughs> but we put in our own that's, heads that we're not being that's our That's our insecurities as humans. That, and we all have those and we all go through those. And you go like, well, can I actually ask that person? Or should I ask that person? Or should I ask this? You know, it's like, no, ask both. Ask there everybody. And that's what I try to do. Now, again, I wish I can say, like Jen just says, so true. Um, it's we have to. I mean, we just have to. I mean, and if we screw up, we screw up. We just okay, adjust, redo, reset, and go at it again. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Get up, get on that horse, and and go after it again. Jan Burl did say mistakes help learning and a positive outcome. So true. So true. All right, we're getting to the end of it. I can't believe it. That's a sign that. I know I had a good time because we're at the end. I didn't know we were getting there. Um, I do have a final question to ask you that I close every show out with Joel. It's a profound one. It's powerful and it's, it's beautiful at the same time. And some of you may have been noticing there was something scrolling on the bottom as we've been here live. And if you're not watching live, why not? Because you should be, you should be on the mind, body, Go there, register. It's free. You actually get a gift a whopping gift, a hotel discount card just for registering. And all we do is announce to you five minutes before we go live with the link you can click on and join us here live and do what you are going to be able to do that of those of you that are watching live now, which is enter to win a five-night stay at a five-star luxury resort. Compliments of Reach Your Peak. Only those who are watching live are allowed to enter to win who can enter. We know who you are. We see the numbers as we're doing this. And so I'm going to bring that up. And so the question will come up after that, Joel. And the cool thing is uh, you're going to love it. it. It has a tiny bit of personal flair to it, but uh, not too bad. And we'll get into that in just a second. And then a tiny bird uh, or a little bird told me you might have uh, something to offer as well. Do you recall that? I'll put it up on mm -hmm. the screen here. Uh, offer your viewers and uh, listeners yes. a free consultation. And so think about that as I'm going through this, like how do you want to deliver it? We'll, we'll do the details here in just a minute. Uh, you know, if you want to send an email, what, however you want that to happen. Uh, yep. So you can think about that. But before we do that, I'm going to uh, let everybody know how they can win that five-night stay at a five-star luxury resort. Compliments of Reach Your Peak. All you have to do is, again, write this resource down. Write it down. It's a URL. It's a web address. And then enter to win after the show is over. Yes, we'll be monitoring. We have people for that. So go ahead, write this URL down. I'm going to put it up on the screen right now. For those of you watching live, you want to go to, at the end of the show, you go to ryp.im forward slash vacation. That's an actual web address. RYP stands for reachyourpeak.im forward slash vacation. All lowercase. Don't forget, lowercase everything, no caps. And then you'll be able to enter to win right there on that form. Write that down. And I can't wait to see who wins that. And then Joel Franco, we have an amazing, amazing question to end this show. Before we do that, I want to give one more shout out to your website for all to go visit. And that is whereourchildrenplay.org. Whereourchildrenplay.org. It's a phenomenal. I'll just put it up really quick. It's a great site where you can go and donate to the cause. Uh, remember, you're impacting not only the youth, but this will also help to permeate into the adults as well. Those who are the parents who might be seeing themselves on these documentaries <laughs> going after another adult and literally fist fighting in front of their kids during or after or in between uh, half times, whatever, of sporting events. So be sure to go and visit uh, whereourchildrenplay.org. Donate, contribute, uh, support in any way you possibly can. Is there any specific way that you would prefer one over the other, uh, Joel, for folks to support? Um, well, they can, of course, go to the website and 
donate if they want. Um, reaching out to us, it's always the best way. They can contact us via all our social medias. Um, if they go on the website, there's a way for them to reach out to us directly from the website as well. So they can just do it. That's to the best way. So it's directly to me and to us, my team. So we can help, you know, we can answer questions. We can do a lot more things that way. Are you looking well, for additional examples of both positive and negative uh, occurrences that are ongoing that you could then go possibly film do you need that at this moment is that something you want to do we always want it we always need it uh if it doesn't end up in the movie which of course we cannot possibly put every single thing that we have filmed in the film if not it would be a three-day long thing uh <laughs> and i don't think anybody wants to sit through a 24 hour 48 hour film <laughs> um i don't think i would uh, but yeah, it would be great because there's a lot of things we want to do. We want to create uh, stuff on YouTube, stuff on TikTok, stuff on all of those other things for the website. Because we, the thing is that the movie is just one aspect of what we're doing. And we want to be able to continue the conversation after the movie. Because as we all know, even if the movie is the most successful movie on the planet, it will be the greatest documentary ever created. Let's just go nuts. Um it still won't be the solution to everything because people sure. will forget about it in you know a couple of days. So we want to be able to continue the conversation. So please keep submitting to us, keep reaching out to us, keep telling us your story because we want to know about it. And because you sports is not going to be over tomorrow. So uh, we want to, and we hope it's not because it's such a beautiful thing when it's done right. Uh, but we want to hear about it. We want to tell more stories. We want to share the stories. So please reach out to us. Yeah, maybe turn it into a docu-series uh, as time exactly. goes on after the first one. Yeah, and you could, I mean, so 24 hours, you could just chop it up into one-hour segments 24 times and make it. You know, people will binge watch this on Netflix. Come on. I love it. It would be awesome. All right, that so be sure to go to whereourchildrenplay.org and support this amazing man, uh, Joel Franco, amazing dad, father, coach, former uh, athlete himself. Should I say former? Maybe you still are. Uh, sorry if, if <laughs> I got that wrong. At the uh, moment, I'm, I'm a former. Former. <laughs> <laughs> former for sure at the moment. I love it. <laughs> All right. So like I said, I like to close out every show with a very profound question. And I want to let you know up front, Joel, that this question, there is no possible way of answering it incorrectly. There's it. In, impossible there is no such thing as an incorrect answer and so it's not a test it's just going to be your personal response that's what makes it personal it's unique to you that's it uh the exact okay. opposite is true the only correct answer will be that of yours because it is personal it's unique to you whether you have the answer instantly whether it takes you seconds that also is absolutely perfect because, once again, it's your answer. So there's absolutely no pressure, except for the fact that I've done such a buildup on this. Your curiosity is probably through the roof, and that's okay. It is. So <laughs> that's, I love now this I'm question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I've, done, I've asked this of, gosh, well over 100 entrepreneurs and successful uh, business people like yourself, that, uh, and every one of them answered it perfectly because it was their answer. So it's awesome. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I go love for it. it. Come on. Let's All right. Go. Let's do it. <laughs> Here we go. Joel Franco, how do you define success? You were not kidding. You leave me with a bomb on this one. Um, I, if you can go to bed happy and you can look at yourself in the mirror and you're okay with everything you did that day that's success if you have reached your goals and you did it the right way the way you wanted to do them what else is there that's really it mm. i love it i love it i love it and like i said there was that was a perfect answer. It was your answer. And I appreciate you so much, Joel, for everything, your authenticity, 
your vulnerability, your truth telling and, and your mission, what you're doing is going to impact not just the youth, like I've seen earlier, it will also impact the adults that are involved in all of this positively and negatively, uh, uh, those that have been involved thus far. And it'll be a great lesson. It's a, it's a life lesson. Like you say, it, it really does go in. It's a representation of microcosm. I think you said of life itself mm -hmm. and it is. And I love that you're bringing this to light and that, um, you know, many more people will be aware of what's going on, not just in the sporting world, but this also is representative of how we as humans act throughout uh, our daily lives. So I think it's great to bring this to the forefront. And I look forward to seeing it on Netflix. Uh, I look forward to seeing the next uh, second series that goes beyond the first, but let's go with the first one first. So please, everyone, uh, please, please, please go to wherearchildrenplay.org and support however you can, whether it's just a supportive comment, uh, may, maybe donation monetarily, whatever works for you. But uh, Joel has the heart of an angel and we want to get this uh, man's work out to the world. Go to that site and look at the trailer. You'll see what a magnificent job he does uh, with his you know forte what he's really good at is producing and directing and uh the cinematography all of the the video the film the film i don't i'm not a i'm not in the industry so i don't know if i say it right but it's well done let's just put it that way and so <laughs> joel you've thank been an you. absolute pleasure thank oh you're very welcome thank you oh my goodness yeah success is true happiness yeah we got jan going now success is true happiness thank you jan Ooh, he he's got it yes he does <laughs> And then thank you, Joel. Thank you, yes. Jan. Yes, Jan. Thank you so much for wonderful, uh, for wonderful engagement. Appreciate that. All right. We have reached the end. Um, out of respect for everyone out there, we could go another hour easily. And I know Joel would be so gracious to do that. So we're just gonna do that right yep. now. I'm kidding. We're gonna call this a show for everyone watching. We appreciate you. Please, everyone out there, do two things uh after the show is over. Number one, go out there and continue to serve more people and crush it in your business. And then number two, above all else, to a person, please, everyone, be blessed. That is it from myself, the host of this uh, show, the Mind Body Business Show, Brian Kelly, on behalf of the amazing Joel Franco. Stay tuned for our next episode coming to you roughly one week from tonight. We do this every week. Can't wait to see you there. Until then, so long, everybody. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to the Mind Body Business Show podcast at www.themindbodybusinessshow.com. My name is Brian Kelly.